What's up, everyone? Thanks for tuning in to the Verse Church podcast. This is a message from our Sunday morning service recorded live in Kitty Hawk, North Carolina. Enjoy. What we've called this series that our joy may be complete, and it's taken just straight from the text, from verse 4 of First John. John says, we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. And it's this idea that we are going to dig down on to talk about what does it look like to have complete joy. It's not happiness that's fleeting. It's, it's a joy that is above circumstances. It's, it doesn't matter what's going on in your life. You can have complete joy. And this idea isn't something that John made up. It's something that he heard from Jesus. John 15, the Gospel of John, verses 9 through 11, uh, it won't, won't be here, 11 through 9, say, um, As the Father has loved me, so I loved you. Now abide in my love. If you keep my commands, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept the Father's commands, and abide in his love. I have told you this, so that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be complete. See, that John is taking this idea of, of complete joy straight from Jesus, and he's saying, look, you can have complete joy that surpasses all understanding, and it's found in abiding in Christ. Now, it's not really a word we use all that often, but ab- abiding is to live continually, to remain in, to, to be in Christ, as Paul would put it. Our lives wrapped up in Christ. And it, what it speaks of is this intimate, close relationship that we can have um, with God through Christ. It's this intimate fellowship or intimate relationship that we want to focus on this morning. We've called this message this morning within this series, Community in the Light. And that's what we want to look at. We want to look at how we have that intimate relationship with God as a community in the light. Let's read 1 John 1, 5 through 10. You can turn with me. If you have your Bible or the verses will be up on the screen. It says, This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you. God is light and there is absolutely no darkness in him. If we say we have fellowship with him and yet we walk in darkness, we are lying and not practicing the truth. If we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. I say this about every passage we study, but this is one of my absolute favorite passages of Scripture. And it has been for a very long time. You'll notice if if you've walked with Jesus for a long time, there are verses in this little short section that that we memorize right off the bat as, as people come to know Jesus. We, these, are, these are basic things that, that John is speaking to us, but they are so foundational and so important. And so we really want to go through these and talk about what, what is John explaining here. Now John, when he wrote this letter, he wrote it um, to uh, just a, a bunch of churches. It wasn't specific to one church like Paul would do, uh, where he would write a letter to a, a group of churches in a specific area or a specific church actually dealing with issues. This was just uh, a, a letter that John wanted to write to let people know how to follow Jesus. He, he was an old man, wise in his years. Uh, John had been through a lot. We talked a little bit last week about how far John had come from John in the Gospels. John, uh, as, a, as a disciple fo- trying to follow Jesus, was 
doing things like trying to call fire down from heaven to destroy towns that wouldn't follow Jesus, right? John in the Gospels, young John, um, was trying to get his mom to see if him and his brother could sit at Jesus's right and left hand when he came into his kingdom, right? John, young John, didn't get it. He was wild. We called him kind of a wrecking ball in situations. And if you look through the Gospels, it's, it's kind of humorous, probably at at the expense of John, um, how many times he blows it, how many times he makes mistakes. But John, as an old man, has walked with Jesus for so long, and we see a very different John. We see someone who is loving. We see someone who's kind. Next week, he starts off with, my dear children, my beloved children, he says to this group that he's writing to. John, in the Gospels, says that he was the one that Jesus loved. He calls himself beloved, right? Which is also true, and that's amazing. But in this letter, he's, he's calling other people beloved. He's using what God has spoken to him and, and sharing it with others. And so as we open this book and, and look into this passage, we are seeing someone who is pouring out what God has poured into them. This is stuff that John has lived out. He has seen God do amazing things in his life and he wants to share it with us. And so he'll continue to point out that he he walked with Jesus. He, he was there. He, this, these are firsthand accounts. He saw him in flesh and blood. And so we'll see that this morning as well. He inserts himself into the story, not to get glory, but to let us know that, that he actually experienced this stuff. This isn't secondhand. It's not thirdhand. He didn't just hear it from somebody sometime and it was a good story. This is stuff that he has lived and he's experienced this life change. Now, he says, this message you have heard we have heard from him and declare to you. Who is this him? John is saying this message that we heard from Jesus. We heard from the lips of Jesus. This we that he is talking about is, is probably John and the other apostles. He's, he's reminding us that he was there. He's reminding us that this is a firsthand account. And he's saying now we're declaring it to you. So we heard it. And now we're declaring it to you. And it's consistent with what the other apostles were writing. It's consistent with the gospel message. And that's, that's important. He says, God is light and there's absolutely no darkness in him. A lot of people want to be like, oh, who is God? What, what, you know, who is this God we really serve? This is a beautiful, beautiful explanation of who God is. He says, God is light, and there is no darkness in him. This is what God has said about himself. John begins with this idea of God is light, and, and as he looks at that, he's, what he means is goodness, perfection, with no evil, no falsehood. And what we see is that, that John is, is referencing even back to Genesis. Genesis 1-3, the first words recorded by God are, there, let there be light. All right? And so God is, is exuding his light into this world at creation. He says, let there be light. And then John 1 Gospel of John 1, 4 through 5 says, uh, John says, In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. So John loves this idea of God being light, God being perfection. And he'll show through his gospel and through this letter that that light and that divinity is found in Jesus. And that's, that's his point in this, that, that God, the Father, and God, the Son, and God, the Holy Spirit are one, and they are light. They are perfection. We can even look at the words of Jesus. We're going to be quoting a lot of John here. John kind of runs with the similar themes. So this is uh, two quotes from the Gospel of John, but they're the words of Jesus. John twelve thirty six says, While you have the light, 
Believe in the light so that you may become children of light. This is Jesus' teaching. That if you believe in the light, that you can become a child of the light or children of the light. John 8, 12 says, When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Have you ever um, walked into a really, really dark room and, and you kind of become really disoriented if your eyes aren't totally used to it yet? And then all of a sudden someone turns on the light and, and you can see clearly, you can see everything clearly, right? Well, that's, that's pretty obvious. But have you ever uh, been in a room and you just feel real uncomfortable? Like you're just not, you're just something about it is just not comfortable. And you go, I think it's the lighting. Like the lighting just, I can't, can't relax in here, right? There's something about light in this world that, that with, with proper lighting and with, with being able to see clearly that makes us feel comfortable. We understand that just in, in a natural sense of things. But have you ever been in a place in the world where you're like, this just feels really dark spiritually. Like there's a lot of kind of spiritual darkness here. And it, and it feels uncomfortable. It makes you feel uncomfortable. Even people who don't follow Jesus can pick up on that kind of, that kind of oppression of darkness that's around in some places. Right? And, then, and then we're called to be the light of the world. Like We walk in as Christians, as followers of Jesus, we walk in and we bring the light of Jesus into that situation and it can totally change a situation. Right? By, the, by the power of Jesus, showing that light to people. So as we look at what it means to be for God to be light, it's perfection, but, but it's also goodness and blessing and, and a, a, a comfort that we can experience. That true joy that we're talking about comes from following the light. And, and so he goes on, he says, God is light. 1 Thessalonians 5, 5 through 6 says that we who have given our lives to Jesus, we are now, for you are now all children of light and children of the day. This is based on what Jesus said in, in John 8. But he goes on, Paul goes on, he says, we do not belong to the night or to the darkness. So then let us not sleep like the rest but let us stay awake and be self-controlled. There's a response to living in the light. There's an action that we have that, that we're responsible for. And that action is, is we, don't, we no longer walk in the dark, but we stay awake and we remain self-controlled. And so John goes on, he says, in verse six, he says, if we say we have fellowship with him, and yet we walk in darkness, we are lying and not practicing the truth. See, John says there's, there's an action that should take place as we're walking in the light, as we're having fellowship with him. Now, that, that word fellowship we've taken for our title here as community, community in the light, because we don't really use the word fellowship all that well. Sometimes we use it if we mean like, People are going to bring a, a bunch of potluck items and we're all going to hang out and eat food together, right? Or we'll have a fellowship hall where everyone sort of goes to eat food. But that word fellowship is so rich in, in, the, in the Greek. And it's the word koinia. And, and it's translated in, in many places as fellowship or community or even communion is brought from the root word of the, the koinia in the Greek there. And what it identifies is it identifies a closeness. It's not just when you go eat food in the fellowship hall. It's not just when you bring a, a potluck item to someone's house, but it actually denotes a, a closeness and a unity that where you share everything in common. It's when in Acts it's used where, where it said that the, the disciples, they, they shared in fellowship and prayer and eating together and and experiencing and, and celebrating the Lord's Supper together. That same word was used there where they held everything in common. And it's the same word that John uses to say we can have fellowship with God. Now, that's a crazy, crazy statement because uh, in, in the Old Testament, 
if you look at how people related to God, the, the fellowship that you were able to have with God was done through sacrifices of, of bulls and goats. And, and only a select few got to have intimate one-on-one sacrifice, uh, one-on-one fellowship with God. Guys like Moses. And then Moses, right, when he saw God, he was glowing for days afterwards. That light, he saw the light and he, and he was glowing. And so as we see what Jesus has done on the cross to give us the fellowship and community and koinia fellowship with God, he has made it possible for us to come to God. And, and what did Jesus say when, when the disciples asked him how to pray? He said, say this, say, say daddy. Say, the most intimate kind of close relationship you can have in this world, that's the relationship that you can now have with your heavenly father. You call him daddy. You can go to him with your problems. You don't have to go through, through bulls and goats and all these traditions anymore. Through the blood of Jesus, we can access the throne room of God. Right? Your head might explode if you think too hard on that. But that is what John is saying here. He's saying if we say we have fellowship with him, if we say we're close with God, that kind of closeness, and yet we walk in darkness, we are lying and not practicing the truth. First John 1 John 1.3 says, What we have seen and heard, we also declare to you, so that you may also have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. So we see that the fellowship is with God through Jesus, but it also offers us a fellowship with each other. Amazing. What does it mean to walk in darkness? I think that's important because if we say, you know, okay, so if we say we have fellowship with God, but we walk in darkness, then we're lying. We should probably know what what John is talking about here, right? This is this theme that he he'll emphasize here. He'll he'll juxtapose darkness and light, and he'll he'll juxtapose truth and lie. And even within this statement, he'll he'll have uh, these if-then statements. And each one, one is a positive and one will be a negative. And one is a positive and one will be a negative. So he'll, he'll state um, this idea of light and then he'll state some effect on darkness. And so look at that as we go through this as well. It's, it's very interesting, John's sort of literary style here. But his point is this. If we claim to have fellowship, if we claim to have that closeness, but we're continually walking in sin, if our life doesn't have a change, if we aren't, aren't born again and made new by the blood of Jesus, then, then we're not following Jesus and we're not made righteous. And, but there are plenty of people that will say, oh yeah, I, I get it. Yeah, I, I bro down with Jesus on Christmas and on Easter and I'm all good. Right? That's what John is saying. He's saying, no, if you don't walk in the light, if you aren't continually being, being renewed and being changed um, by the Holy Spirit working in you, then, then, you're, then you're deceiving yourself. And that's sad. And there's so many people that are out there that are deceived because they think that they are walking in the light. They think, oh yeah, I've had a light, my life changed. I've, um, I, I know Jesus because I know about Jesus. Um, and, and they're out there and they're walking in darkness. But John would tell us that that's not our job, isn't to go around and be salvation police and to go around and be like, that person is, I don't see life change. I don't see fruit. I sh- that person's out. This person's in, right? Because that's not our job. That's God's job. Because we don't, we don't know. God, First uh, Samuel sixteen seven says that, that people look at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. And so God can see people's heart. Our job is to go out there and encourage, like John, encourage people to walk in the light. To walk, to have a life change that can only be brought by Jesus, not by our desire to change, not by our willpower, but by Jesus Christ. Paul says in Romans 6, 2, he says, 
how can we who died to sin still live in it? Same idea, same concept. It's, it's not that we occasionally sin because we all mess up, right? There's, there's no sinless perfection in humanity this side of heaven save for Jesus. Right? We can't reach this place of, of never sinning. But when we sin, John will tell us what to do. What does he say? Confess your sins and he is faithful and just to forgive us your, sin, your sins. So what we see is that as we look at our lives, are there places in our lives where we're consistently walking in darkness? Are there places in our lives that we're consistently going, man, there's some darkness in that corner and I don't want to look at it. This, this is the, the goal of this isn't to look outwardly and be like, that's darkness, that's dark, that person's not in, that person's in. It's, the point is to look inwardly and go, is, is there any area of my life that I haven't given completely over to Jesus? Is there any area where, where that light isn't shining? And then what do we do? We, we confess that sin. We, we, we run away from that sin. We say, Lord, help me with that sin. And, and then we can walk in light in that area. So John's saying, don't walk in darkness and deceive yourselves. But, but what does he say to do? Verse 7. If we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sins. We're going to take our three sort of takeaway truths, our application points from this verse right here. It's, it's a wonderful verse. It's a great verse to memorize. But what John is saying here is this, if we walk in the light with Jesus, then we have fellowship with God, right? You'd think that that's what he would say. You'd have fellowship with God, which is true. But first, John says, you have fellowship with one another. Interesting that he would say, if you walk in the light, and, and as Jesus himself is in the light, you have fellowship with one another. True community, this is our first takeaway point. True community comes from walking in the light. The world wants community. There, if you um, go out to a bar, if you go out to a club, if you go out to a baseball field or a uh, sporting event, everyone there is looking for community, looking for a sense of belonging, looking for a sense of, of uh, a, a group that all agrees that can rally together behind a cause, behind something that they can be a part of, right? But God says here that only by walking in the light do you find true fellowship with one another. That's interesting because we can also say that um, as we have that fellowship or that koinia fellowship with one another, we're being the light of Jesus to the world. Because as we exhibit that true community, people look at that and they go, I want that. Because you guys don't necessarily believe everything um, exactly the same, but you can have a, a, a community and be part of something that's bigger than you. And so as we as a community, as a Verse Church community, is able to, to walk in the light and understand that, that that's where we find that true community, the world will look in and be like, I want some of that. Whatever you guys have, I want some of. But what it takes is it takes a group of people that are submitted to following Jesus because it's so easy to get pride involved. It's so easy to get um, greed involved. It's so easy to get little bits of sin involved in this community that we have because, right, we're all broken, messed up people and we're, it's real easy to get involved in, in pointing fingers and, and being prideful and I can't agree with you and so I'm going to um, get upset and cross division. Right? But if we look and we go, okay, we're on a common goal. We're following Jesus. We want to live and walk in the light and, and I want to live and walk in the light right beside you and I want to bring that light to this world then, then we uh, are experiencing that true fellowship and true community that we all desire. 
Right? Also, what, is, what does John say here? He says that the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. As we walk in the light, we also have fellowship with God through the blood of Jesus. And how many sins does it say that he cleanses? Just some of them? Just the really bad ones. Or just the really easy ones. Sometimes we think like, oh man, well, Jesus, you can take care of my greed, right? Because that's kind of like a, or, or pride. Oh yes, I'm prideful, I get it. But I'm like humble priding, you know? Or you're like, I'm, I'm just so humble. I think that is my best attribute is that I'm so humble, right? Like those are the kind of things that sometimes we like to think like God can handle those sins because they're kind of, they're not that taboo. They're like, it's easy to admit those sins in public, right? No, Jesus, the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. All of it, it doesn't matter. There's not a sin out there that he can't cleanse. That's, that's pretty amazing because in my life and I know in your life, there are some areas where, where we're still holding on to some things, right? There are some areas that, that I know that if we pray about, the Holy Spirit lights up in our lives and goes, that, that, that one, that one you're still holding on, that, that one, that, that sin that you're still comfortable with, that you're still okay sort of flirting with, that one has to go. I want to I see you healed from that sin. I want the light, my light, to shine in that place in your life. And so when we are confronted with that, we can know that, that his blood conquers all sin. Now, what does that mean and what does that not mean? The blood of Jesus, when we say that, like, in our context, we know what we mean, right? We know we mean his sacrifice for us in our places. But if you say that um, to someone on the street, like, oh yeah, the blood of Jesus is on my life, that can sound kind of weird, right? And so we're not talking about literal blood here. There are Christians over the years that have thought that, that, that it had to be a literal drop of Jesus' blood. Right? What we're talking about is we're talking about his sacrifice. And, and um, in communion, when, when Jesus sat down at the Last Supper at Passover Seder with his disciples, he said, this new covenant is based on, that I'm bringing to you, is based on my blood and my body, my, the whole sacrifice. But we talk about this sacrifice in response to the blood of Jesus. And so right there, we're not just saying that God forgives all of our sins no matter who you talk to or, or who you call on. It's not just like, oh yes, I'm for, I need forgiveness for my sins. Who we need to call on is Jesus. And so we, we see that this is all based on Jesus. And John is awesome because he always points back to Jesus. He'll be talking about something else, random, and he'll be like, but it's about Jesus. But it's about Jesus. And so we see once again, this is all based on the blood of Jesus. It's really cool to see here the word cleanse cleanses us in in the greek um, this isn't a past tense word and it's not a future tense word it's a present tense verb that he uses which is is very telling in in john's writing because he's not saying that the blood of jesus cleansed us from sin like once and then any sin after that can't be taken care of. And he's not saying that he will cleanse us in some future time that we have to wait for. He's saying wherever you are at in history, Jesus cleanses your sin right now, future tense. And so that tells us that as we're Christians and as we sin, as we mess up in the, in this life, that Jesus is right there offering forgiveness for that sin immediately. Future tense. And it's true that Jesus, when we came to Christ and we give our lives in faith in his hands, that he cleanses us once and for all. That is true. But as we walk in this world, he also cleanses our sin as we, uh, we then offer 
our lives to him and repent of that sin. There's this story, um, John 13, 10. And Jesus is he's at this dinner. It's his last time with his disciples. It's the same time where he then says, this new covenant is about my body and my blood. But he goes to wash his disciples' feet. And he says, he goes, um, I, I want to wash your feet, right? And Peter goes, no, Lord, you won't wash my feet. And, and Peter's like, I nailed it. I got it right this time. All those other guys, they were letting Jesus wash his feet. But I, I dialed it because I'm like, no, Lord, you can't wash my feet. And Jesus goes, Peter, you don't get it. If, if I don't wash your feet, you have no part in me. And then Peter goes, well, Lord, then if you're going to wash my feet, like all, obviously Peter's swinging from one extreme to the other, because if you're not going to wash my feet, wash my whole body then. And Jesus goes, all right, calm down. Like, take it easy. You, you only need, once I've cleaned you, once you're clean, I only need to wash your feet. And this is the picture we have of our walk with Jesus. Right? Once our sins are forgiven, once, once we're clean by the blood of Jesus, we walk around in this world and we, we, we sin, we get dirt on our feet, as it were. And, and so when Jesus, he come, we come to him and we repent of our sins, and it's not like we have to be saved all over again. It's not like the, 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 his sacrifice on the cross didn't cover those sins, and so we need to repent of them. But it's, it's that we need our feet washed. And what do we need our feet washed for? What, what, what in that day... What did washing the feet allow you to do uh, in, in that community? It allowed you to come into the house, right? Because in, his, in, in that day, when you walked through the street, there was a lot of muck on the street. They didn't have sewer systems. Use your imagination, right? There's a lot of stuff on the street that you didn't want walked in the house. So a servant would wash the people's feet. And that's what Jesus is showing. What what. Our repentance for sin does is allows us to have that koinia fellowship, that relationship with God, that close-knit time with the Lord. So what John is talking about here, he's not talking about salvation. He's talking about fellowship, right? That's the whole theme of this letter is, is, is fellowship with the Lord. And so when he says that, that the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin... He's saying once and for all, but he's also saying daily. He's also saying as we yell at our kids, as we get angry with our wife, as we're prideful with our coworker, right? as, as we blow it and we mess up and we get greedy and we try and take life into our own hands, we, we fall short of the glory of God every day. Right? Just like Paul said in Romans, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, right? That wasn't a once and for all thing. That He was a, describing the state of humanity, but he was also saying that, that daily we fall short of the glory of God. And so as we sin, then we come to Jesus and we repent of those sins and he cleanses us from all unrighteousness. Our second takeaway truth is forgiveness from sins makes fellowship possible. This is based on fellowship with God, but also fellowship with one another. As we sin and we hurt people and we destroy a relationship, we ask forgiveness for those sins and, and the relationship can be restored. So this is one part instruction on community and how we do life together as, as a church and as, as a community of followers of Jesus and also shows us how we do life with God. Our, our third application point here um, is the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. Now I got a little ahead of myself. I got a little excited. Um, we already mentioned this, but as we come to Jesus, there isn't a sin in our life that we can't have forgiven. And, and that's something I think we should highlight that word all in your Bible. If you highlight your Bible, uh, underline it, and really think about that this week. All sin. Is there any sin in your life 
that, that you are holding on to thinking Jesus can't get at that one, can't fix that one. There's something that you're dealing with maybe and it is repetitive and you're in this habit and you're not walking in darkness because you're repenting of that sin. You're, you're broken by that sin and, and, and the Holy Spirit is, is bringing conviction and, and, and you're, every time you're just like, oh Lord, that, I can't believe I did that again. But you keep falling in the same hole over and over again. Is there, is there anything in your life that, that you are seeing you're holding on to that you need to let go of and go, all right, Lord, you can forgive me of this sin. You can heal me from this as I follow you this week. That's not a, that's not a question to answer right now. It's a question for you to think about uh, this week and, and ask the Lord to show you those sins. Verse eight, if we say we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves, and the truth is not in us. Interesting. It's very easy to go from the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin to then go, I'm good. I don't really have any sin. I don't really sin. You know, it's really easy for us as uh, in our pride, in our humanity to go, you know what? When you asked about those sins, nothing really came to mind. I'm, I'm doing pretty well. Right? If we say we have no sin, we're deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us. The, the one thing that, that Jesus wants us to do is admit we're at fault. Right? It, you can't come to Jesus and be saved and have your sins repented for if you don't think you're at fault because there's nothing to save you from. And, and Paul, he spends the whole first book, first part of Romans proving, trying to prove to this church that they're messed up and they're broken and it gets ugly with how he's describing but it's true but if we don't and, and the whole gospel message starts with we need help we need saving as humans we need a savior but if you don't think you have a savior then you're deceiving yourself and, and there's no truth in you and that's a sad place to be but verse 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The only way to have our sins forgiven is to admit that we're wrong and confess those sins. And this word confess is also a present tense verb. It's a continual confessing of our sins. It's not once it's not in the future. It's, it's a continual thing that John is saying. That as we confess our sins daily, as we're in a place of, of going, Lord, you are amazing and I am a sinner. Please take care. Save me from my sins. Save me. Please give me uh, a forgiveness that only you can offer. The other interesting thing about this verse here is that it says if we confess our sins he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness all right once again john is saying all unrighteousness any sin it doesn't matter what it is jesus paid for it and his righteousness then covers it but if we don't confess those sins if we don't think we've sinned, if we don't acknowledge that we're broken in need of salvation, then we hold on to those sins and it hurts the relationship with the Lord. It hurts the fellowship, that koinia fellowship because he is light. And if we're bringing darkness into that, he can't have fellowship with that darkness. And so this, this once again, this is a, um, a, a day by day, a a softness of heart and a, and a continual communication with God as we follow Him. And that's the kind of relationship we're shooting for, right? Because as we follow Jesus, as we're um, disciples of Jesus, we want to be in constant communication with Him. We want to be in constant relationship with Him. 
We want to know what he said and what he did. And, and then we want to take what he said and we want to do it in our life. That's, that is following Jesus. Verse 10 says, if we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. God has clearly shown throughout history that, that humanity could not save themselves. And so for us to say, I'm good, I, I can handle this, I can save myself, that makes God a liar. And that's blasphemy. Right? And so what John is saying is he's saying um, that you're not just a liar yourself, but you're actually calling God a liar. And then the second claim here is that um, there is no truth in someone who says that. The word is not in us. We don't get it. If we're saying, I, I have no sin in my life, I'm all good, and the, the, that God doesn't need to cleanse me from sin, then, then his word, the word of God is not in us. And in 1 John 1, he says uh, that the word of life is here. Right? And so he's talking about Jesus there. He's talking about the word of life, the, who spoke the word and there was life. That's who we follow. So that word is not in us. Well, what's the, what's the point of all this? Um, a couple things that we can look at. We can look at our own life. We can look at um, how we apply this to our lives. We can also look at what John was battling. Because sometimes it's hard to see. You're like, okay, I got that. Right. We need, we need salvation. We need Jesus. John, in, in this day, he was battling a teaching that said that, that people didn't need Jesus because Jesus wasn't flesh and blood. Jesus was only spirit. And they were teaching that, that we as humans were only spirit. And that the flesh was everything that was bad and that spirit was everything that was good. And that we could be good and our flesh could do bad things, but it didn't affect our soul. And this was called Gnosticism. And it, it was affecting the church in a big way in that day. So that's why John here is, is trying to hit so hard on these points. How, does, how do we apply that to our lives? If we walk out these doors and go talk to uh, most people in culture today, there's this idea that, that there's a separation between what I do and, and who my soul is. That I can do all this stuff, but I'm generally good and I'm generally okay and I don't really need God. And that's a sad place to be in. And so as we walk out these doors, we, we can take John's words here and we can be like, all right, <laughs> there's light in this world and it's God. And, and that we are children of light. If you want to have fellowship and light and life and words that people in this culture use all the time as things that they want, joy, peace, all these things um, that seem fleeting, God says, you can have those, but it's through Jesus. And you have to admit that you're wrong first. So that's the message that we bring to the world. And it's a message that the world sorely needs. It's a message that, that people are, are dying to hear, but don't know how to hear it. They don't know how to get over sort of their ideas of, of themselves and to just go, okay, Lord, I give you my life. And so as we share that with people, the Holy Spirit will be moving in their lives and working. But, but that's the message that we share. Right? We, don't, we don't share uh, the message uh, that, you know, um, as we follow Jesus, that, that he is some spiritual being that doesn't care about our flesh. We share the message of Jesus that he was flesh and blood and that he died for our sins and that he understands what we're going through. It's just a, a very wonderful, amazing thing to share with people that like, God, Jesus 
went through every temptation, but without sin, he knows what you're going through. He, he can understand. You come to him and he understands what you're going through no matter what it is, and he can take care of any sin no matter what it is. Uh, as we wrap this up, we are going to um, celebrate this morning, and we're going to celebrate something that John was actually a part of. We're going to celebrate this last supper that he experienced with Jesus. And the word communion that we use today to describe this um, is, is a word that at its root is the same as the word fellowship that John uses in this passage as well. And what John is saying in this passage is that, that we can have a, a close, intimate relationship with our Heavenly Father in a communion with him through the blood of Jesus. And then as we come and we take this cup and we celebrate what Jesus did for us on the cross, we're restating that. We're saying, yes, we're celebrating that the blood of Jesus is on my life. I know that, that as I um, live and breathe, that he can save me from myself save me from all the sins I've committed no matter what they were. First Corinthians 11 23 through 26 says, "For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. On the night he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, "This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me." In the same way, also, he took the cup after supper and said, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. What did the death and resurrection of Jesus that we celebrate make possible. Ephesians 5, 9, we read at the beginning of our service. For you were once darkness, all of you, once darkness. But now, as followers of Jesus, now you are the light in the Lord. Live as children of light. For the fruit of light consists of all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. We're going to take this time. Johnny's going to sing a song, and, and we can sing along with uh, him. But what I want us to do is I, I, I would like us to spend time in reflection during this song. And this could be a, a time of reflection where we're celebrating all that God has done in our lives. All that Jesus' sacrifice did for us. That we're now adopted sons and daughters, children of the light, children of the day. We, we are part of the light of God because of the blood of Jesus. We're adopted into his family. That's amazing. And if, and if that causes you to celebrate, that's awesome. But I also want you to spend some time in reflection looking at your life and seeing if it fits this description that John has given. And this, this description in Ephesians that Paul gives where he says, live as children of the light. If we're going to celebrate that, it should live it out in our lives. It should be a reflection in our lives of, of a change that, that Jesus has done in our lives. And what does he say? He says, for the fruit of light consists of all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. This would be an awesome time to live out what John says in verse 7. And spend time, if there's some sin in your life, confess it to the Lord. And confession just means to agree with the Lord about your sin. It's this, this fancy word we use, but what it means is it means to look at your sin and, and to agree with the Lord about it. 
agree that it doesn't have anything, any part in your life because you are a child of the light. To agree with the Lord that, that it, it is something that needs to go. You can ask yourself some of these questions. Do you say you have fellowship with Christ but walk in darkness? Or do you have real relationship, fellowship with the Savior of the world? That's the first question you have to ask. Do you know Jesus? Do you have that fellowship with him? And if you want that and you don't have it, you just ask him for it. You agree with him that that you're broken and needed of a Savior and you say, Lord, come into my life. I want to follow you. I want you to be my Lord and forgive me of my sins. Do you say you have no sin? Are you at a point where in your walk with the Lord where you're like, you know what? I don't really confess my sins anymore because I don't really have any. John says no. Just continually confess your sins. And, and he is faithful and just. And he fixes that relationship. So you have that close koinia fellowship with the Lord. And are there places in your life where you actually fear the light? Are there places in your life where you're like, oh man, I don't want anyone to know about that. And I certainly don't want to look at that or, you know, confront that. Because I'm afraid what the light will do in that darkness. I'm comfortable with that darkness in my life. Or I'm terrified of that darkness in my life and I don't know what to do about it because I feel like it has power over me. The blood of Jesus will forgive us for all sins, no matter what. So let's take this time, I I want this time um, to be some reflection, but I also don't want us to forsake the, the celebration that taking communion is together as a community as well. This is about celebrating what Jesus has done for us. So it can be a solemn time, but it can also be a time of celebration as as God forgives those sins and we rejoice that he has forgiven us for all sins and given us his righteousness in place of our unrighteousness and our unworthiness. Thanks for listening to the Verse Church podcast. We're stoked that you joined us. We would like to invite you to join us live Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. For more information or to give to this ministry, visit www.verse.church.